But over the long run, that changes and it becomes the skill that overrides the variance. As time moves forward and you put in more volume, luck becomes irrelevant. What you really need to ask yourself is, what is under my control and what is not under my control? So even though I personally felt like that I was getting unlucky or running bad over a stretch of hands, uh, it was actually the opposite and I was actually running quite well. It is harder to remember the times we were on the positive side of variance. Well, if you're only playing 5% of the hands, that means you're not putting yourself in a position to hit very many cards. In the end, the math is always going to work out. Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast, officially sponsored by Running Aces Casino and Racetrack. I'm your host, Steve Fredland. Today, we are going to be looking at the topic of feeling unluckier than other people. You know, we encounter this a lot, but we've got uh, some specific questions from Chris Hall and Seth Erickson about this. Uh, this is one of the things a lot of people talk to me about when I'm in the in the poker room, so it'll be good to sort of address it uh, as an episode. I'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be hearing from Jonathan Little with PokerCoaching.com, as well as Dr. Trisha Cardner with PeakPokerMindset.com. Uh, she's an expert in the psychology of poker, and so this is a fantastic uh, person to have some insight from this week. We also have some recreational players contributing, Taylor Moss, Rob Washam, Stacey Nelson, and Steve Olson as well. Uh, so I've got a couple of announcements, and then we'll get into the uh, the week's episode. Uh, first of all, some of you may have noticed on Twitter uh, over the last few days, there was uh, a hand that somebody put out there about somebody folding pocket aces pre-flop. Uh, I had commented out there, I, I did not condone the, <laughs> the fold of the pocket aces, but I had, I had mentioned out there some of the odds of playing pocket aces against... Uh, two other players and against three other players and the, the odds of your aces holding up and so I just wanted to, to clear the air a little bit on that that uh, my my comments were not about uh, recommending a fold in that spot although I have folded pocket aces in a qualifier type situation before um, it really was just to point out some of the odds and I think people uh, a lot of the recreational players don't realize that when you're playing pocket aces against two or three other players uh, oftentimes you're going to find yourself um, a, a favorite to lose the hand. Now you might be getting two to one or three to one, and I'm not saying you should fold your pocket aces, but uh, just be aware that it's really not a bad beat if you get your pocket aces in all in four-handed and you lose. Uh, that's not really a bad beat. So uh, just just uh, trying to make some people aware of some of the odds there. Uh, other announcements: uh, My Vegas package is sold out. Thanks to everybody who is uh, who is backing me in that uh, adventure. Also, we got a lot of patches that have been going out the door, so if you want yours, we have some that you can sew on and some that are just adhesive that you can uh, just put on and take off uh, repeatedly onto whatever uh, shirt that you wish, or hat, I've seen that as well. Uh, this week, we had a few people that were playing with patches that had their picture on Twitter, Steve Olson, Brian Morey, Rob Washam, thanks guys. And Brian Morey actually had his patch in the picture as he won the Running Aces uh, Spring Poker Classic Seniors event, $125 buy-in, and Brian took that down wearing the patch, so that was kind of fun to see him out there. So congrats, Brian, and, and good work there. With that, let's just do a uh, quick thanks to Running Aces, and then we'll get into the primary discussion. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor 
of Rec Poker. As I mentioned at the outset, uh, one of the things that people approach me with all the time, uh, recognizing I have the podcast, is uh, the story of their bad beats. <laughs> uh, I hear a lot of bad beat stories, and uh, it's always sort of interesting some of the situations. And I always ask about the you know the decision if they felt like they made the right decision. Uh, those sorts of things to try to get people to think a little bit differently about a bad beat in terms of the decision that they made, the decision their opponent made, uh, those sorts of things. Um, So I get a lot of questions about that and try to help people uh, try to reconcile that with the rest of their poker playing. We did get a couple of specific questions around this idea of, of luck and some people being luckier than others from Chris Hall and Seth Erickson. So I decided to take their questions and aggregate it with some of the other uh, feedback we get from other players and create an episode from that. So Chris's specific question was, are some people more lucky, more lucky than others? It's goofy, but I'm convinced it's true. I play a lot, study, have had personal coaching. And from what I see time and time again, it's all a guy needs is to be at the right place at the right time. I ask myself at the table all the time, is this real? And Seth said, what kind of advice do you give someone who is consistently getting it in good in the biggest spots in tournaments, but somehow ends up giving chips to people who don't deserve them? And when you don't play many bigger tournaments, it can be very frustrating. Do I need to just go more prepared with more money and play recklessly like I see others doing and then just rebuy? I don't struggle early on in tournaments and can play with anyone. It's just in the middle stages I tend to run bad and can't get over the hump. So thanks, guys, for submitting those questions. I'll give some of my thoughts, uh, and then we'll hear from from some of the pros and some of the other recreational players about this. But I guess, first of all, you know, just my sympathies on the brutal variance. It's always rough. It remains a big part of the game, but it's always difficult when you feel like you're suffering from negative variance. I'm going through one of those spells right now where by January and February, I was just killing it, couldn't lose, picture was everywhere. March and April, I feel like I'm playing the same way, just negative variance. And it can be very frustrating. Uh, I think one of the things I keep in mind is is you're never as good as your last victory. You're never as bad as your last defeat. It's always sort of somewhere in the middle. But, uh, you know, the visceral emotional response we can have um, is always sort of difficult. So, you know, as I mentioned, I talk to a lot of people who feel they're more unlucky than anyone they know. And I've really yet to talk to anyone who considers themselves luckier than other people. Uh, so if, if some people are unlucky, other people have to be lucky by nature. We see it, but but rarely do you encounter somebody who says, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty lucky relative to the general population. I think generally we all think we're more unlucky. But in general, my thoughts are a few things. First of all, as the tournament goes deeper, variance naturally increases. So... Uh, there's a far less variance element early in tournaments, at least in general there is, uh, as there is later. People are forced to play more loose and more aggressive later in tournaments as the stacks become more shallow. So you're going to get into those high variance situations way more in the middle and later stages of the tournament than you are earlier. So that could be part of this element of feeling like you're fine early because you can play disciplined. You you don't have to take big risks. But as you get later, the variance is naturally going to increase. And it's just the very nature of tournament poker. And it's what makes it different than playing like cash poker, where you pretty much all have the same stacks all the time. You're always playing deep stacked. You do get into those spots where variance will naturally increase because of the blind structure. The second thing I wanted to mention was is that it's human nature to remember the bad things more than the good things. I've actually seen a psychological study that tells us that good things are like Teflon in our brains. They just kind of go away. We, they come in, they go away. And bad things are like Velcro. They just stick. And I completely believe this, and I completely believe it translates into poker. 
uh, I played with a guy for an entire tournament, and he had had his big hands hold up. He had like kings and aces and queens, and they all held up, and he built some stack. And he even had a couple of suckouts where he rivered a straight when he was behind in similar situations. So I considered him having very positive variance throughout the tournament. And then we get down to two tables, and he gets it all in with his two pair against a flush draw, and the other guy hits, and he gets busted. And this guy leaves angrily muttering how he is the most unlucky person in the world and how every time he gets sucked out on. And in general, I would look at his whole tournament and say he was generally positively lucky. He had positive variance, but he's only remembering the negative. And as I think about how this pertains to life, I think it's something that we need to keep in mind in our lives as well. When something good happens, they say you should really just meditate on that, really allow that to sink in for 10 to 15 seconds to really internalize the good thing that happened because they don't naturally stick. And so at the poker table, if you get that suck out yourself, if you hit that river card, if if your big hand holds up, those are positive variance situations. And I would challenge you to, to spend the next 5 to 10 to 15 seconds or more Letting that soak in, letting that feel good, uh, because that's then going to mitigate those times when you feel unlucky. The third thing I wanted to mention is that we have to base our results on long-term success, not just by recent tournaments, because variance is a very strong factor over the short term. I would say for any given hand, any given tournament, it's, it's, the, the results are much more weighed toward variance over skill or luck over skill. But over the long run, that changes and it becomes the skill that overrides the variance. So just recently, I completed some graphics uh, in response to sort of this question, and it showed my return on investment over the last 100 tournaments played. And I did that on a rolling basis. So it looked over time at what were my previous 100 tournaments at any given point in time. And if you look at the difference in ROI, it's extremely different depending on which 100 tournaments uh, I'm talking about. So over even 100 tournaments, variance is a very strong factor. So as you go down like to 20 or 30 tournaments, uh, it's even a greater factor. So, you know, I consider myself about the same player I was two to three years ago as I am now. I think I'm better, but still in terms of of luck and, and those sorts of things. Yet you can look at that graph and realize that, man, any 100 tournaments, I could consider myself one of the best players in the world, or I can consider myself one of the worst players in the world. So um, I think variance is a huge factor. We've got to keep that in mind as well. The fourth thing I wanted to mention is that I think it's critically important to understand variance or luck for what it is. It is an uncontrollable and critical component of the game, especially, as I mentioned, over any given tournament or a few tournaments. So think about variance in the short term versus the long term in this way. Let's say that that somebody offers you a bet. They said, if you roll the dice, and if you get a 1, 2, 3, or 4, which is 67% of the time, if you roll a 1 through 4, they will give you $10. And if you roll a 5 or a 6, you have to give them $10. So you're either going to get $10 or give $10, and you're a 2 to 1 favorite. You're 67% to 33%. So this is sort of a sound familiar kind of situation here. So the question is, would you take that bet? And I think most of you would say, well, of course, I would take that bet. I'm a two-to-one favorite to win, to win 10 bucks. But what if you rolled a five or a six? If you rolled that five or six and you had to pay $10, what would be your reaction? Would you start berating the dice? Would you start berating the person that made the offer to, to gamble for that because they're so stupid for taking that bet? Or would you just feel unlucky in that situation and pay the $10? What if, what if you lost that $10 and they offered you the same bet again? Would you take it? Or would you say, no, I'm not going to take it this time? Uh, you, you probably would take it. 
So you take the same bet. And what if you lost again? There's still a one in three chance you're going to lose again. Okay, now you've lost twice in a row in situations where you should have won. You felt entitled to win. Would you berate the dice again? Would you berate the player? What if you're offered a third time and you lost again, which is still a one in three chance of losing again? Okay, would you would you start berating them? Would you feel what, what would be your reaction if you're offered it again? Would you turn it down then at some point? Now, if you were to say that's the situation, that's one thing. But if you were to say, okay, let's let's do this a hundred times. How about I agree to do this a hundred times? Over the long run, I guarantee you're going to be a winner. I mean, it, it, the, the odds are insurmountably small that over a hundred rolls, you'd end up being a loser in that situation. So in the short term, you're, there's a good chance you're going to lose a one and three for each one of those. But over the long term, you're going to win. And this is the difference between thinking about short-term variance and long-term variance. It was the right decision to take the bet. And over the long run, you're going to come out way ahead. But for any single situation, there's a good chance you're going to lose. And you could lose multiple times. Uh, and that's where run bad sort of comes in. Yeah, you run bad for, for a short period of time, but you're making the right decisions. And over the long run, you will win if you don't start playing suboptimally and shying away from those decisions. So I know I'm, I'm a statistician. I'm an actuary by trade. I'm a degree in math. That's This is what I do. Uh, and I don't buy into this idea that some people are luckier than others over the long term, at least because of their personality or something in there. But I do believe in the distribution of, of results. And so if over 100 rolls of that dice, there's going to be a distribution. And just by its very nature, some people will, be, will have more positive results and some will have more negative results. It has nothing to do with them as a person. It's just the nature of a distribution of potential results. Okay, so, um, but if we go into tournaments feeling like we're going to be unlucky, we're not going to play our optimal game, this is a game of decisions. And over the long run, whoever makes the best decisions will be the best players. This is why I'm a huge proponent of tracking all of your results so that you can look at what the data is saying. And for me, the number of insights that I've gained from doing this has actually changed my game in some pretty dramatic ways. And I've talked about those, some of those on the podcast. But it's also changed my mental approach to the game. I can see those times when I'm running good. I can see those times when I'm running bad. And I I realize that luck can be a part of this. But yet over the long run, it helps ground me in making the right decisions. So so I would challenge you to track your results. Uh, If that's something that you want done for you, I'd be willing to chat with you about that. I might be willing to, to help you out. Uh, in some way uh, for that, but but really, really do that. Um, and if you're not good at analyzing data, that's fine. Just capture it and then ask somebody to analyze it for you. Uh, there's a lot of us out here that uh, that enjoy doing that sort of thing. So uh, finally, uh, I do think that it's in our best interest to remove the personalization of having negative variance. It's part of the game. The personalization can lead to emotional tilt, which can lead to suboptimal play, which can result in a reduction in your return on investment. So try to remove that. If, if somebody makes a bad play and you know they, they call your all-in with four or five, over the long run, you want them to do that. And if, if they were to tell you ahead of time, this is what I have, what do you want me to do? You'd say, go call because you want that. And so when they do win, that's okay. That's supposed to happen every once in a while. Uh, that's just the very nature of statistics, but you want that every single time because you're such a huge favorite. So rather than personalizing it, rather than berating them, rather than driving them away from the game, just let it be what it is. You lost that time. And, and I know that can be hard if you're an emotionally reactive person, 
But I think that uh, getting a, getting in control of those emotions and realizing that statistics and luck and variance are all part of this game, I think that's going to help lead to your enjoyment uh, further, uh, especially if you are a recreational player and part of the way that you enjoy the game is relating to other people and socializing and, and, and building acquaintances and relationships and that sort of thing. I think um, removing that emotional piece and personalization um, can actually help you accomplish some of those goals uh, in an even greater way. So I could go on for hours about this, but uh, just a few thoughts to think about. Uh, so with that, let's turn it over to our pros, and then we'll hear from our recreational players after that. Hello, this is Jonathan Little for PokerCoaching.com, and I'm just going to go through these two questions line by line and try to answer these general concerns about luck and running bad. So first, are some people more lucky than others? In the short run, yes. In the long run, no. Understand, though, that most people who play poker, especially live, will never get anywhere near the long run. They think if they play two tournaments per week that that is a lot of tournaments. That's 100 tournaments a year. Whereas if you look at a lot of online players, they're playing 100 tournaments every weekend. So online, those players are playing in a weekend what you're playing in a year. And they go on downswings all the time. They lose four or five or 10 weekends in a row. So if they're losing 10 weekends in a row, and these are some of the best players in the world, by the way, if they're losing 10 weekends in a row, that is equivalent to you, I'm sorry, if they're losing 10 weekends in a row, that's equivalent to you losing 10 years in a row. Most people don't play poker that long. So in a short period of time, certainly people are more lucky than others because they're getting better cards. Call it luck, call it card distribution, whatever you like. If you look at a small sample of hands, Someone's going to be more lucky than, than other people. Imagine you decide to look at one hand. You deal out some cards. Someone's going to get a good hand, and someone's going to get a bad hand. You could, in theory, say the guy who got the good hand was luckier than the guy who got the bad hand. Okay, you say it's goofy, but you're convinced it's true. Well, like I just said, if you deal one hand, someone's going to have good cards, and someone's going to have bad cards. Is that luck? Yeah, maybe. If you deal 100 hands, someone's going to have way more good cards than... One of the other players, that's just going to happen sometimes. But if you deal 100 million hands, because you actually put in a lot of volume, everyone's going to get all the same cards. So as time moves forward and you put in more volume, luck becomes irrelevant. All right, you play a lot. Again, what is a lot? Study and have had personal coaching. And from what you see time and time again, all you need to be is in the right place at the right time. So... Sometimes, if you look at any, well, if, if you look at any short period of time, like let's say the next 20 hands you play, or a small sample of hands at a final table, certainly someone's going to run way hotter than someone else. I was actually just watching a YouTube video of a guy who won like 100K in an hour playing 100-200, so he won uh, 500 big blinds. And just looking at all the hands, they were perfectly fine and perfectly standard. Guy did nothing special. I mean, he made a few good plays to trap overly aggressive players who had deep stacks, but if he just got bad cards for that 100 hands, or if he just didn't win one or two of the flips he won over the course of those 100 hands, he wouldn't have won nearly as much money. So yeah, sometimes things are going to work out for you, and sometimes they're going to work horribly for you. You ask yourself at the table all the time, is this real? So you're probably referring to just getting bad beat here and there. You definitely do not need to be concerned with losing hands. <laughs> if you get it all in with aces and lose to jacks, well, you're supposed to lose roughly 20% of the time. You're supposed to. If you don't, something's wrong. 
what happens to a lot of people is they inevitably they go and they play to- poker tournaments and they play tightly. Inevitably, they blind down because they're not defending their blinds well enough and they're not stealing enough blinds. They get it in good with whatever, you know, aces against jacks. They win. They double up. They're back to an average stack. They're thrilled. They repeat that process over and over. They blind down. They get it all in good. They double. They blind out. Blind, blind, blind down. They get it all in good. They double. Well, eventually, they blind down. They get it all in good and they lose. They're like, oh, my God, I'm so unlucky. They don't realize that they've gotten it all in multiple times. And if you get it all in with only 80% equity seven times, well, you're very, very likely to go broke. So um, don't be concerned about short run variance at all because it's irrelevant. All right, next, what kind of advice do you give someone who consistently gets it in good in the biggest spots in tournaments, but somehow you end up giving your chips to people who don't deserve them? And when you don't play many bigger tournaments, it can be frustrating. Well, this is... A long sentence. Okay, what kind of advice can we give to someone who consistently gets it in good in the biggest spots? Well, you're likely playing way too tight. That's the advice I can give you there. You're probably not stealing enough small pots. All right, you somehow end up giving your chips to people who don't deserve them. The words, um, des- the word deserve, I think, has no meaning or no place in gambling games. You don't deserve anything. Stop feeling like you deserve something. You deserve nothing, and that's it. Um, when you don't play many bigger tournaments, it can be frustrating. Okay, so you're putting yourself in a spot where you are essentially telling me that you don't put in volume. Okay, so you're saying, I don't put in volume. Therefore, when I do get it all in, I end up losing and I'm unhappy about this. Well, clearly, if you go and you play one tournament a year and you lose, yeah, it's going to be meaningful for you. That's because you're not actually putting in volume. You are not treating poker as a professional, you are gambling. When you gamble and you lose, yeah, that's going to be frustrating. But you have to understand you're gambling. This happens to a lot of players where they play, let's say, the World Series of Poker main event and then a bunch of other small tournaments over the course of the year. Maybe they even win $10,000 every year on average in their small tournaments and they go to Vegas trying to get rich by winning the World Series main event. They always lose or they usually lose. And they're like, man, I can't believe I lost. And the one time where it really, really mattered... Yeah, well, they're playing way too big because they're normally playing way smaller and they're putting all their eggs in one basket. Putting all your eggs in one basket is often a bad idea, even if you have a decent edge, as they may have in the World Series main event. All right, next question. Do you need to go more prepared with more money and play recklessly like you see people who will just rebuy? Okay. Um, uh, First thing you have to realize is that whenever you're playing a re-entry tournament... Whenever you go broke, it's effectively as if you're buying into a new tournament. may sound crazy because it's the same tournament. Sometimes you're even in the exact same seat. But that's not the way you have to look at it. You have to ask yourself, would I buy into this tournament again given the current structure? Quite often early in a tournament, this is a very good deal if you have an edge because you have an edge and you're just buying it again. The fact that you just lost is completely irrelevant. Um, Although sometimes you'll see... Tournaments will let you rebuy for a very long time, and you can rebuy in with six or eight big blinds. Well, now the question is, would you buy into a tournament with six or eight big blinds? Usually the answer is no, because you have no edge that will allow you to beat the rake. So you're just straight up gambling there. Sometimes you're going to do well, sometimes you're not, but you're just going to lose money on average. Um, Really, though, I think what this is referring to is some people play really aggressively and try to build a big stack. Quite often, that is not such a bad idea. In tournaments, especially because if you win, you get lots and lots of money. 
And if you don't win and you take fourth place instead or hundredth place or you bust out of the money, you don't really get much. There's a lot of value in getting all the chips. To get all the chips, you often do have to adopt a higher variance game. Now, you certainly can play good, strong, tight, aggressive poker in poker tournaments and do very well, especially as the field size is smaller because it's yeah, you don't have to get nearly as many chip stacks, right? If you're playing a tournament with 20 people, it's not so hard to win. Whereas if you're playing a tournament with 20,000 people, it's, it's nearly impossible unless you're really getting in there. So anyway, you say you don't struggle earlier on in the tournament and can play with anyone. The fact that you can play with anyone makes me think that you are either over-assessing your edge or you're just writing to try to stroke your ego, one of the two. Get ego out of the equation. This person definitely needs to go see a mindset coach in my advantage, because, in my opinion, because they are having thoughts at the table that likely lead them to make mistakes. They feel like they deserve things. They feel like their work away from the table should somehow directly influence their short-term results. And it doesn't really work like that. It does a little bit, but not significantly. Anyway, it's just that in the middle stages, you tend to run bad and can't get over the hump. Well, likely you're not accumulating chips. You're probably blind. Well, you're probably doing that thing I discussed earlier, where you blind down, get it in good, double up. Blind down, get it in good, double up. And whenever you're playing with a very short stack, you should play a somewhat tight strategy because uh, you, you really just don't have very many options available to you. But ideally, you play a slightly more aggressive strategy, you play more pots in the early levels, you get to double up and triple up and quadruple up more in the early levels. That's gonna allow you to lean on the medium and short stacks in the middle levels, and then you'll make it to the late stages of a tournament. Um, really, I think a lot of this does boil down to, though, a lot of people, especially in live poker, don't understand that there is a ton of variance in the game, and you are going to go on big downswings. I mean, I've had two World Series of Pokers with no caches. Now, obviously, caching doesn't even matter, which, you know, no caches implies no wins. And that's like 40 tournaments in a row twice. A lot of people don't play 40 tournaments in a year. And that's just normal swings. If you talk to anyone who's been in poker for even 10 years, they are going to tell you about some horrible downswing where they lost 50 or 100 buy-ins, no problem. And if you're playing a $200 buy-in tournament, well, that's $20,000, right? And if you're not comfortable with that, you have to understand that you are just gambling. So the way you get over these feelings of bad luck are to study math, get really good at poker, make sure you're playing in games where you have an edge, make sure you're playing often and frequently so you're getting in a lot of volume, and make sure you keep a good bankroll to where if you do go on a downswing, it doesn't actually affect your play. I mean, what a lot of people do is they work all week, they make $500, they go and they buy into a $500 poker tournament, they lose, and they're devastated because they equate losing that tournament to losing a whole week's of worth of work, which should be devastating. And you have to get that out of your mind. You have to treat poker as a professional if you want to see professional results. If you treat it as an amateur, you're going to see amateur results. And also, stop feeling entitled. There's no space at all for entitlement in a poker player's minds. If you feel like you deserve something, very rarely will you get it in poker or in life. You get things because you work hard for them and you put in the work at the table and away from the table to get those results. You don't get it from complaining. So anyway, that's it. This sounds, probably sounds really harsh. It is what it is. It is though. Sometimes this is what people need to hear. Thanks. This has been Jonathan Little for PokerCoaching.com. Enjoy yourselves. Realize that we're all luckier than pretty much everyone else in the world. 
Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Trisha Cardner from drtrishacardner.com as well as peakpokermindset.com. And today I am going to be addressing the questions that were posed by Chris and Seth regarding luck and running bad in tournaments. And I actually happen to think that these questions have a lot in common. First of all, on Chris's question, the part I really want to focus on is where he asks himself, is this real in terms of other people getting really lucky against him. And I think that is the wrong question to be asking. What you really need to ask yourself is, what is under my control and what is not under my control? Because when we are focused on being frustrated and asking, is this real? And how did this person get so lucky against me? And things of that nature, we are really focusing on things that are not under our control. And whenever we do that, there's really nothing we can do about it. And so that exacerbates our frustration. The other thing it does is it takes away from our focus. Now, for our purposes, focus is simply the ability to put your attention where you want it, when you want to. So at any given time, you're focusing on what is most important to you. Now, of course, when you're playing poker, and especially tournament poker, you will see people do all manner of crazy things. And Seth gets into this with his question, and he in particular seems to notice very large problems with people playing in sort of a crazy, unpredictable manner and them winning even though he got his money in good. And he's particularly frustrated when he gets to the middle stages of the tournament. Now, I guess my comments on this would be, first, we have to think, okay, poker is a volume game, and particularly tournaments. And if they are the live variety, it is even more pronounced because we're only playing one tournament at a time. We are not able to get in as much volume and we can see all sorts of quote crazy things because we just don't have time for that you know, variance to smooth out. So we can see all sorts of improbable, unusual things. Now, again, when we are in a tournament, the middle stages of the tournament are the most difficult because we tend to be at very awkward stack depths. So, you know, you've got 30 or 40 bigs, and then it limits even the number of tools you can have in your arsenal. Now, this is going to show up when we are forced to get it all in. And the more times we have to get it all in, the more likely it is that we are going to run bad and we are going to lose. So again, I don't think the question we should be asking ourselves is, should I just play crazy and, you know, have a bigger bankroll so I can rebuy more often? I think the question that we need to be asking is, how can I approach the tournament such that I either win or I learn. I think that is the real secret is you want to go in with the idea that A, you're going to play the best poker that you can play. And for a lot of people that 30 to 40 big blind, or maybe even 30 to 50 in the middle stages of the tournament is where it starts getting really tricky. So I think you want to go ahead and improve your skills as much as you possibly can in those stages to give yourself the best shot at continuing on and making the final table. And B, you need to be always focused on what is under my control and what can I do at this moment in order to give myself the best possible chance of doing well at the tournament? And 
if and when I happen to bust, I'm not going to get down on myself and berate myself and treat myself poorly. Instead, I'm going to look at what did I do well and what can I learn from this or what areas do I need to work on such that I can make the plan and go forward. Now, yes, I know it's very frustrating when you go, when you play tournaments and you feel like you're better than the competition and yet you bust out. It's extremely frustrating and nobody enjoys that. But if you put your mindset into the right space, I think you can have a lot more fun with poker. Just recognize that poker is a challenging game and it's really a long-term game and you have to have your mind and your mindset in the right space in order to do your best. So if you'd like to learn more about how you can get your mindset right, I would encourage you to go to peakpokermindset.com and sign up for my free course called Rev Up Your Poker Success, where I teach you all about a proper strategy for goal setting in order to achieve the most success. So until next time, I hope you keep working on that mindset and have an awesome day. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota. Featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Greetings, Rec Poker listeners. This is Taylor Moss. Today we're talking about luck and how it affects our poker game. I think as humans, we're naturally inclined to remember our losses more than we remember our successes. And that can be really detrimental to our poker game because that can change our decisions that we make when we're in an all-in situation. Uh, So if we let this affect our game, it's going to change our optimal play and can move us from a winning player to a losing player just because uh, we had had a bad beat recently. As it relates to luck, I think the big example that I personally have has been using Poker Tracker 4. Poker Tracker 4 is an online software that keeps track of hand histories and at the same time will keep track of your expected value when you're in a hand. And one of the big graphs that they like to show is uh, the amount of big blinds that you've won over a stretch of hands and then also the expected number of big blinds that you should have won over those hands. So for the expected value it takes whenever you were all in, uh, what was the expected number of big blinds that you won First, how many big blinds did you actually win. And before looking at this, um, I knew that software was out there and it was going to be tracking how I did, so I tried to mentally keep track of where I thought I was. And similar to the intro that I let out with, I thought I was getting unlucky in quite a bit of situations, but still becoming a profitable player. So when I looked at the graph, overall my big blinds won uh, over the stretch of hands was up, but it was actually up more than my expected number of big blinds won. Uh, So what this means was I was getting quite a bit luckier than I should have been in the same situations. So even though I personally felt like that I was getting unlucky or running bad over a stretch of hands, uh, I was actually the opposite and I was actually running quite well. Uh, So it was either a misconception of uh, the total span of hands that I played or just misremembering the times that I got lucky and only concentrating on the times that I got unlucky. And... I think it can be detrimental if you get hung up on this luck factor because if you think about everything in a grand scheme, every time you get in 
aces versus a pair of fives, uh, you're going to win 80% of the time and lose 20% of the time. And I would venture to guess that your true probability is extremely close to that 80-20. And if you would go back and look at all your hands, and every time you won, you marked it as a win, and every time you lost, you marked it as a loss, you'd be extremely close to that 80-20%. So when you're in those situations, just make mental notes of the times that you did win when you were ahead, or conversely, when you won when you were behind. Um, because you're going to get extremely close to that true probability of if you're supposed to win 80% of the time, you're going to lose 20% of the time. And it's just going to be extremely close to that. And don't get hung up on a one size sample of uh, how lucky or unlucky you are. This is Rob Washam for the Rec Poker Podcast. Today's topic is something everyone has to come to terms with eventually. It can be summed up by one word, and that is variance. No matter who you are, you're going to experience variance. There are lots of things that influence variance. If you play loose-aggressive, you will increase your variance. The games you play also determine how much variance you will experience. Limit games have less variance than no limit. MTTs have more variance than sit-and-goes. Another thing about variance is that it is harder to remember the times we were on the positive side of variance. There are times when we hit the king with kings versus aces, but the times they hit the king are so much more painful. I remember this exact scenario like it was yesterday. Yet I know intellectually that I have hit the set against the overpair, but I do not have a vivid memory of it. If we decide to play this game, we're going to have to accept the variance that comes with it. One way to accept so-called bad beats is to ask yourself, if you knew what your opponent had, would you want him to call your bet? Most of the time, the answer is yes. Talk to you next week. Greetings, Rec Poker World. This is Stacy Nelson. I wanted to put my two cents in here on our topic today of luck and running bad. Chris answered a question about asking if some people are more lucky than others. And I guess my short answer to that would be absolutely and absolutely not. For myself, this is how I've had to kind of reconcile that because I understand exactly what Chris is talking about, seeing people that just seem to hit when they need it, that type of a thing. But for myself, I had to just go strategically think about it. We all get our two cards. It's a random deck. I have to start there. If I start thinking about that there's poker gods or some people are actually luckier than I am, then why am I even at the table? So with that as a starting point, I go to the second part of what I was talking about, that absolutely some people do at least seem to be luckier than others. And are they? Well, as I looked at it, I think there's a possibility they might be in this way. When you change the style of your play, you put yourself in a position to possibly be lucky more often. For example, when I first started playing, I was tight as a drum only played the top 5% of hands. Well, if you're only playing 5% of the hands, that means you're not putting yourself in a position to hit very many cards. You're not going to hit your straights very often. You're not going to hit your flushes very often because you're only playing a very small percentage of the hands. Somebody that plays a different style, plays more hands, you're going to see them hit their straights. You're going to hit their flushes. And of course, those are going to be in key times. Now, 
we also have to look at um, the other part of this, which is perspective. So I kind of narrowed this down to two things I was talking about as I thought this through. One is variance and one is perspective. The variance part is what I was just referring to. If you increase your variance because your style of play allows you to play more hands, you're putting more money in the pot, you're putting more money in the pot in big places, you're going to win more of those. But you're also going to lose more of those. And that's where it comes down to perspective. Sometimes we look at those people and only remember the ones that they hit, but we don't see all the ones that were playing a similar style to them at the end of the tournament that ended up busting out early. Another thing with perspective I was thinking about, um, because it's changed for me a little bit, is when I maybe hit a flop and then I see somebody, I call it sucking out on me, um, I always thought that I was unlucky there and they were the lucky ones. But as I really crunched the numbers and talked to other rec poker players about this, why people even chase the flushes and the straights and those types of hands because when they hit they ended up um, getting paid off really well and they actually hit more often than I gave them credit for Um, like my perspective um, early on was if I'm an 80% favorite in my head I should win every time but the truth is if I'm an 80% favorite, which isn't really very often in very many hands, that's a really strong favorite, um, I'm still going to lose one out of five of those. So if I put myself at risk in, in, in be, even being 80% favorite five times, I'm going to lose one of those. Um, I also uh, went to the poker crunchers and, and looked into that a little bit and looked at uh, if you're if you have an open-ended straight draw with a flush draw, um, you're only a 60-40 dog to somebody that flopped a set. I took that same open-ended straight draw and flush draw and plugged it into poker crunchers against uh, two pair, two two over pair, and it came out to be a real close to a 50-50 wash. That same straight draw, open-ender, and flush draw, if, if I only hit my queen, let's say I'm playing queen-jack, going against 8-9 suited, I hit my queen, but they hit 6-7. So they have 6-7-8-9 suited. They're on that flush draw and the straight draw. I'm, actu- I'm actually almost uh, about 56-44 to 44 dog in that situation. So I might look at that and say, wow, I hit my queen, and then they went all in and I called, or I went all in and they called, and look, at they hit. Well, actually... Um, they were the favorite going into that. So that's what I mean by perspective. That's kind of changed for me a little bit, knowing that there's odds, and anytime there's odds, those, those other cards are in there, and they are going to come up once in a while. So that's helped me change my perspective a bit about um, seeing others as more lucky than I am. Seth had a question that was related, but seems to me a little bit different. seems like this one's a little bit more about tournament strategy and getting to the later stages in a uh, tournaments and we're seeing more variants, which I talked about earlier. So um, my way of adapting to this, I guess the, the biggest thing that's helped me 
is to play more tournaments in a short period of time. Mentally, it helped me a ton when I ran into a situation where um, later stages of the tournament, I got my money in good, I read a player right, and turned out he hit his two-outer and sent me home. And to know I had another tournament that was right around the corner, for whatever reason, that helped me a ton. Um, I also talked a lot with some of our poker recs about the um, how you handle these changes. You have to adapt to the tournament. You can't just play more recklessly. I don't think I've ever heard a pro give advice like that. So a couple of things I've heard people say. Um, it's what you do in between those big hands that makes a world of difference. Because you're going to get it in once in a while with the variance we have in our shorter tournaments. You're going to have to go and push it all in. But what do you do in between times? If you can find ways to steal blinds or build your stack slowly, if you can find holes in other people's games to put the pressure on them in between times and make them fold to you, where you're slowly building, you know, getting a few five, six, seven blinds here and there, and build it up so when you do push in, you're not the one at risk, then you can sometimes afford that negative variance. And then when positive variance comes around, and it will, then that's what actually will push you into the money. So that's my two cents. I can't wait to hear what other people have to say on these topics. Thanks. Over and out. Hey, gang. It's Steve-O here. Uh, this week's topic in the Breck uh, Poker podcast is you know, luck. Is there luck in poker? Are certain players lucky? Uh, the, short, the short answer is, you know, you, you can't get... You can't beat the math. You know, certain players aren't going to be, you know, luckier than than whatever the variance is over the long term. Um, if you don't believe me, just take, you know, next time you're inside the Aria or the Bellagio, take a look around. You know, there's not one bet you can make in a casino that's going to ever be in your favor. You know, that's how they build those things. On the other hand, do the casinos expect you to get lucky now and then? Absolutely, they, they do. They know you're going to get lucky now and then. In fact, they're counting on you to get lucky now and then because if nobody ever got lucky inside of a casino, they couldn't exist uh, because nobody would ever go. So, you know, let's, you know, extrapolate that out to it, you know, to, to poker. You know, let's look at the classic example, right? You get to the end of a tournament, a lot of the hands are coming down to, to, to flips. And it seems like invariably, Sooner or later, queen queen's going to flip against ace king. In this example, you know ace king is going to be off suited. Uh, someone's always going to pipe up and says, "Oh, it's a classic race. It's fifty fifty. Technically, it's not fifty fifty. The queens are fifty eight to forty two percent favored in this example when the ace king is off suit. The ace king can only make a straight go in one direction. You've got two blockers on it. A little tougher to make a, a flush. Anyway. Even in the ace-king's a dog in this situation, and if you've got the queens, you certainly expect and want them to hold up. With the blinds and the annies in, generally speaking, the ace-king is always you know, getting proper odds to make that call. Now, let's say you, ran, let's say you, ran, you played 100 tournaments in a row, and you did that same flip every day. And let's say the first, you know, even though it would be an extreme example, if the first 58 times you had the queens and you won 58 times in a row, you know, 
you believe me, you'd be, you'd be on top of the world. You'd be making a lot of money. Um, you'd feel invincible. You know, the, the other extreme example, of course, is you could lose 42 times in a row. Um, you know, you'd think you're the unluckiest person on earth. Um, you know, how, how could this happen? Uh, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. Um, the other thing that's going on there too, is you got to remember is the ace king calling from behind. They are, but like we said, they're still getting the right price as far as the chips are concerned. Furthermore, you got to think about the big picture. If you lose, you're out, you're buying. If you win, you might be propelled to go ahead and cash the tournament. And if it's a daily tournament, you know, maybe it's, it's 10, 15 times you're buying, 20 times you're buying there that you're winning. Um, you know, what if it's a big tournament and, and, the, and the first place is 100 times you're buying? Um, you know, you hit one of those once, you're, you know, you might be able to pay for your tournament buy-ins for the next year. Um, it's kind of an implied odd kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and a lot of players know this and, and they're willing to get their money in and they're willing to gamble a little bit. Um, because in the, in the long run, it makes sense. It's, you know, it's frustrating in the short run, uh, you know, when you're getting it in with the best hand and getting beat, but, um, you know, in the end, the math is always going to work out. Uh, that's about all I've got as far as luck is concerned. Um, you know, and you can, you can run bad. You can run bad for a week. You can run bad for a month. You can run bad for months. Um, it happens, but eventually if if you're making sound decisions and and playing properly, um, it's going to turn around. So don't, don't let it get you down when it happens. Um, I realize that's easier said than done, but, um, you know, hang in there, enjoy your time at the tables. Uh, that's all I've got for this week. Bye-bye. Okay. So that's it for today. Thank you to Jonathan Little, Dr. Tricia Cardner, to Taylor Moss, Rob Washam, Stacey Nelson, Steve Olson. And of course, thank you also to, uh, to Chris Hall and to Seth Erickson for submitting the question and to the many others who continued to approach me with question ideas and, and thoughts. Uh, I appreciate that. If you have any feedback on how we're doing here, uh, please let us know uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, we don't know what, we don't, what we're not told. If you want to wear a patch, let me know. Uh, like us like us out on the, uh, wherever you're listening to your podcast, like us, give us a rating. All of those things help build, tell people about us. And uh, with that, uh, thank you for joining us for another week, and we will chat with you next week. <laughs>